Welcome, folks, to our latest episode of The Graw Pod. My name is Doug Graw, and I'm teaming up with Gary Randall to bring practical discussions and insights on common issues and challenges trucking and logistics companies face today. We've had a great conversation with a friend and colleague, George Fieser from the Global Executive Solutions Group. And Gary, we got some great insights from George on what I think is a pivotal topic, and that is filling the office pipeline with experienced individuals. Oh, I think so too, Doug. I think that George's experience, the comments that he makes in the interview, we constantly talk about practical, scalable solutions or advice for our clients. George fits right in with that. You're right. And something you and I talked about in our last episode with Scott about the college recruiting, you made the comment that you really like a mix on your team. When you're leading an operations team, when you're leading any team within a trucking or logistics company, you like that little mix. Give me the fresh ideas from the folks out of college. Give me the people who've seen it done in other places and seen what works in other places, seen what doesn't work. Let's learn from them. And let's also make sure we're developing our own talent. What George is getting at today kind of feeds that model of it's important to have some people from outside your organization join from time to time as well. Yeah, I think so. And I think the point that George really hits home with is that it's important to have people from outside the organization, but it's got to be the right people the people that are going to fit your culture. So you've got to make some conscious decisions when you decide to bring in talent from outside. Yeah, the importance of having a good plan, knowing what it is exactly that you're looking for. You may start a search thinking to yourself, I need a new CFO. But as you work with someone like whether it's George or another recruiting service provider, and you kind of really flush that out, well, what am I really looking for? Am I looking for someone that's got, sticking with the CFO example, do I need someone who's got a lot more experience on the equipment, financing side? Do I just need better books? I need better reporting in that regard. Do I need more of an executive leader? Using someone like a George or again, one of his competitors, you can really do a good job of flushing that out and having a better plan of what you're looking for. And when you have that good plan, you stand a lot better chance of finding the right candidate that's going to last. I think that's absolutely right. And I think what you discover, if you use someone like George or one of his peers in the industry, you're really bringing on an extension of your management team. Another person to have input, to have some thought on getting the right person in there and making sure you've got the right person in the right seat. What's the old adage? Be slow to hire, be quick to fire. Sometimes you get a little bit lucky, you kind of fall into somebody relatively quickly and that's awesome. That's fantastic. Congratulations. But realistically, it doesn't mean don't try to move fast and so on, but make sure you're moving forward with a plan and be prepared to be discerning and making sure this person is going to be a good long-term fit. With talent is tough to go by, you don't want to just churn through people guessing at your recruiting and your hiring practices. All great points and all the more reason to stay tuned and listen to the interview with George. We're extremely happy to have him as a guest. Now let's turn to our next guest in our series, George Fieser from Global Executive Solutions Group. George, thank you for joining us today. We're really excited about this discussion and helping companies figure out how best to go about filling their pipeline with experienced talent. Before we get into the meat of the topic, George, just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into your role. I know you've got some great experience under your belt, so just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, sure. Thanks, Doug. First of all, I'm happy to be here and I love to share and give back. It's so rewarding. My background has been, I've been recruiting for over 18 years now, and it's strictly in the transportation space. I don't get into medical, banking, it's just all trucking. 
It's been 18 years. Prior to that, I was Vice President General Manager for U.S. Express. Before that, held various sales and operations positions with J.B. Hunt. And the reason I tell you that, Doug, is to let you know that I do know the difference between a glad hand and a fifth wheel. I am on the board of directors for the TCA, also in a subcommittee for recruiting and retention and human resources that I've been participating in over 15 years. That's great background. And anytime you're using any type of an outside vendor, if you're a trucking company, logistics company, you're using an outside vendor, it is so refreshing to hear the vendor say, I've been in your shoes, I've been in your seat. That really tells you that the person is going to be able to look out for your interests effectively. We talked in our first episode, George, about college recruiting and the importance of having a college recruiting pipeline. And when Gary ran his teams, he was a big believer in having a mix, having some college grads, having some experienced grads, and having some internal development as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about why should a company look to the outside and bring in some experienced people? What are the benefits? Well, sure. Let me start by why is there a need? What we do as a truckload carrier is a very poor job of bench strength. We don't line up people to fill in the shoes behind. It's different in the LTL world where they have a great bench strength. I don't recruit for the LTL or less than truckload sector due to the fact that they have the strengths and people move through. On truckload, because the margins are so thin, I think that's what has everybody not really investing in the future. The big reason why I have a job is because of that. Nobody has. So if they lose their operations, VP of Ops, they lose their COO, there's nobody to replace it because they haven't developed any type of program to promote from within. So we get to the meat of it is why use me? Let's start with you want to be thrifty. You place ads. Well, who reads ads? If you're out of a job or you're about to be fired, that's who's going to read the ads. The quality is probably not going to be what you expect. When you bring in somebody like me, it costs money, no doubt about it. But I see it as an investment where you're getting not only my knowledge of the industry, but you're getting my contacts. There are a lot of individuals out there. I call them passive candidates where they're happy where they are, but for the right opportunity, they would make a change. And they've told me that. So what I do is contact those folks if there is an opportunity. And it depends on the story, depends on the challenge, depends on what they are motivated by. It might be companies growing. Candidates love companies that are growing. It might be the location where they need to relocate to get back with their family or whatever. But those are the things that are hot buttons for candidates. I sit there and think to myself, I've been called a couple of different times when I was in-house counsel. And it's one of those things, it kind of hits you like, well, I wasn't necessarily looking, but okay, I'll listen. I'll listen to that if the opportunity might be right. And like you said, I'm happy. I don't need to leave, but I would listen. I think there's a lot of merit to that type of a search and keeping it quiet as well. You get a lot more confidentiality that way you're looking for something that might be a little bit more sensitive. Gary, you and I have spent a lot of time talking with some of our clients about the demand in the industry and what people are looking for. We know driver recruiting gets all the attention and rightfully so. It's the biggest issue facing the industry. But you and I also had a number of conversations with clients about filling the internal pipeline. Doug, you know what? We've talked about this more than a few times. And it really is one of those issues that doesn't get the attention it deserves for most of the industry. Now, George, I want to get your thoughts on this point, specifically looking at what people are looking for. You hear terms when you look at staffing and you look at filling positions, you hear terms like the great resignation. 
So maybe you could talk about that and what the pandemic has done to that and how that's changed in terms of what companies are looking for and how they're going about trying to find their people. What is important to the candidates that you're talking to today? You hear terms when you look at staffing and you look at filling positions, you hear terms like the great resignation. So maybe you could talk about that and what the pandemic has done to that and how that's changed in terms of what companies are looking for and how they're going about trying to find their people. What is important to the candidates that you're talking to today? Great questions. Let me take it like eating an elephant a bite at a time. First of all, the roles, the positions that are most prominent are, of course, in the driver recruiting area, no doubt about it. Safety is a key. Your safety person, be it a VP, director, or whatever, is really the person that saves you from going to jail. So that is a very key role. CFO is a key role as well, but they're hard to relocate or move from one company to the other because they know where all the bodies are buried. They know that the owner's wife has a cell phone. They know everything. They know salaries. It's a tough role to fill. Operations is always there. And on the operations side, what people are looking for is leaders, not managers. I didn't know the difference. I was not a great leader as a manager. People that are leaders, people want to work for them. They know how to get the most out of everybody. Sales used to be a hot item, but it's not anymore because there are just limited opportunities out there, long-term bids and so forth. So the sales force hasn't shifted much, but mainly those key roles and also IT technology is a key role as well. As far as the great resignation, that is an interesting subject. It's tough. People are moving more than ever before in regards to companies and roles that I haven't seen in a long time. The pandemic did not slow things down. In fact, it continued the hiring phase, but I've never seen this before. People being hired on a Zoom interview. Offers being made without a face-to-face And a lot of roles can be done from home or home work environment. It's very interesting. We're having one of our best years that we had, and we had one in 2020. It didn't slow down at all. Why use me? It's always that upfront cost, but you're going to get the best. You're going to get the absolute best people out there. You're not going to find them anywhere else. You need a contact. To your point, Doug, it's so funny that I can call you. Yeah, you're interested. People love talking to recruiters. And if I were with a company, that would probably be taboo. But to talk to a recruiter and build a relationship, it's fantastic. Everybody likes to talk to a recruiter. When I go to, and I have a booth at the TCA every year, it's really funny though. Nobody wants to be seen with me. So what happens is the next booth over, I have a fishbowl, we have push cars in there, that my partner next to me says, do you know what's going on here, George? I said, no. Well, they're standing in front of my booth and they're reaching their hand over and putting their card in your bowl. (laughs) So it's kind of like cloak and dagger stuff. It's a lot of fun. You've got to know the difference. Being in the industry, know the difference between a top talent and somebody that is getting by. We joke a little bit about the cloak and dagger aspect, but I do want to say for the company that's searching, there is meaningful benefit. And you hate to think of it this way, but oftentimes you're like, okay, I'm not happy with what just happened out of this department leader. I need to see what else is out there. I'm not ready to make it public yet that I'm searching, but I need to know what the market is. I need to know what's realistic. I need to know what my company would look look like to potential candidates. Let me call George and let him start doing a soft search for me. 
without revealing too many specifics. Because if I choose to not go forward, I haven't necessarily burnt my bridges internally. Now, from your perspective, I imagine you're sitting there going, okay, well, I only want people who are going to be serious about searching. I don't want to waste my time. And rightfully so, you shouldn't waste your time. But there definitely is real benefit beyond just a wisecrack a little bit about this whole being confidential and softly looking for that replacement. Because like you said, George, you're looking for the right person. You're looking for the top talent. And those searches don't and shouldn't happen overnight. The old adage, slow to hire, quick to fire. Make sure you take your time and make sure you find the right candidate. Absolutely. It's funny, Doug, you bring this up because you're right and wrong as well. Just having a conversation with you, I see it as an investment. I see it as, okay, Doug's not ready to make a change now, but not only down the road, he might. But Doug also knows people that I don't know. So Doug, help me. I'm looking for a VP of ops. You might be able to say, yeah, I know somebody that might be a good fit for you. So it's all investment. I do want to say also that after 18 years, half of my clients were candidates. They were candidates first, placed them or didn't place them. But they remember, oh, George, I like your process. I like your style and I like your background. So I want to stay in touch with you. George, what would you say the best companies do when they contract you and set you up for success? You have to have some customers that probably do a better job of communicating what they're really looking for than others. So if I was a business owner, what should I be making sure that you and I are talking about before we start this search for a new employee? Yeah, that's a really good question. And we spend a lot of upfront time on that. What I mean by that is we go through the specifications they are looking for. We also give guidance with the experience we have. Maybe you're looking for this. About half of the searches we have, they change. Well, I thought I was looking for this, but I really am looking for that. That's typical on searches. One thing is very important is feedback. When a candidate is interviewed, I need the hiring authority's feedback, be it good, bad, or whatever, so we can get closer to the bullseye on the next candidate we present. The process should be kind of like a honeymoon. Communication is key. Focus on the candidate. After an offer is made, the onboarding is very important. Not put them in a room and here's our manual. Read it. What'd you do? I could see the candidate coming home to his wife saying, hey, how was your day? Well, I read the manual. I sat in a room all day. What kind of onboarding is that? I think it's very important to set it up. I think open and honest and open door policy is very important where the new person coming on board is given extra attention. You can't expect somebody to hit the ground running without knowing what the play is. They need to know and you need to share that with them. What I love is the level that the candidate goes through in the interview process where it should go right to the top. It benefits the employer and also the candidate where I am listening to the leader of this group. He's giving me his perspective on where the company's going. What is the vision? What is the mission? How can I help? Those are all important parts of what a client can do. How much do you think has changed over your experience in terms of what's important to candidates? You constantly hear the comment, well, it's not all about money. It's not all about salary. What is it about then? Yeah, that's really funny. To relocate a candidate now is like pulling teeth. There's got to be a mission. It's usually family. I got to go back to take care of my parents or something like that. It's really difficult. The priorities for candidates now is, yeah, I want this balance of life. I want to, after work, 
go kayaking and then go to the brewery. That's the way it is now. Okay. And you've got to understand candidates are looking for a very open environment where they can mix those two together. They're not, the beatings will continue to the morale improves. That's not the environment they want. They want to take a day off. You've got to understand that they need a day off and hold them accountable. I'm not saying you don't do that, but if they've got things handled, you need to give them flexibility where they feel that not only have earned it, but need it. That could be recognized as a foreign concept in the trucking industry. There's a lot of folks that have been in the industry for a long time that still look at the length of your day as a big determination of your worth to the company. What kind of challenges do you have when talking to business owners to convince or to educate them that there is kind of a different thought process out there today than there was maybe 10, 15, for sure, 20 years ago? Well, those clients are usually not clients, they're sources. And what I mean by that is there are people that will never get it. So guess what? That is a great opportunity for me to talk to potential candidates, to pull them out of that environment. What's nice about my role is I can fire clients. I don't have to work with a client that has an environment that's caustic. I don't need to go there, but I do want to know the people. So it's an environment where they're busting their butt. They're going on a Saturday mornings to have that balance. It's much more productive. It's not the time, as you know, it's what they're doing. It's the quality of their time that they're at work. You talked a little bit earlier about the communication and the need to make sure you're clear with your expectations of people. It's also important, I think, to make sure that we talk to candidates about the bad parts, what they're realistically walking into. Now, obviously, we're selling. We're trying to get candidates to join us. In my experience, and I'd be curious if you could talk a little bit about this, George, is good candidates, they're not scared by hearing that the company is not hitting the profitability goals that it wants to. They're not scared by the fact that they may be walking into a department that needs some work because the good candidates want to make a difference. Can you talk a little bit about being honest with the bad stuff, too? Sure. I always think of the term, go in eyes wide open. Let them know up front, this is what's going on. Let them know because what will happen if you don't is it'll be a very short (laughs) tenure for that individual. I classify people, leaders in three categories. The first one is when there's a fire, they run away. There's a second group, a little smaller, that when there's a fire, they stand around and stay warm. And then there's a unique group that when there's a fire, they love running into the fire. And those are the people, those are the leaders that, yeah, want to make that big change. And there's a very small group of those, but they say, yeah, if everything was normal, they would be bored out of their skull. They'll never be bank presidents stamping envelopes or anything like that. They love the challenge of making a change. That really is how they're built. Leaders like that, they'll bring in their team and they'll make the changes as much as the ownership will let them. That's a great point. Uh, Gary and I are working with a client right now who just brought on a new person. And we've talked about the opportunity that you as an owner have for these next three to nine months, maybe even the first year of, hey, you as an owner need to allow this person to come in and make the difference that you think they can make and kind of give them that room. You're investing in them, get your return by letting them do what you're hiring them to do. Yeah, Doug, the consulting world is you've got top talent, top advice. What bothers me is owners that won't change. They pay you to give your advice. You have a program and they just look at it. What were they thinking? 
I'll tell you this, what has changed to your point as well is clients are looking for better talent. It used to be in trucking where, well, we lost our VP of ops. Well, I know this guy at church. He's a really good guy. And they'd hire him. That no longer happens, okay? Hire slowly. Yeah, you've got to have the credentials. And they see my fee as more of an investment than a cost. You break it over to you, you get the right person. The right person will make you millions. The wrong person will cost you millions. It's very important to hire the right person on the first time. You can't get that wrong. Your employees, all the other group, are looking at this hire and they're either saying, yeah, I'm glad he's on board or what were they thinking? George, you talk about making sure that the candidate has the right credentials for the company. Certainly that's important. I imagine there's another side to that too. What credentials are the candidates looking for in the company that they're going to? Obviously compensation, but compensation means a whole bunch of different things. It's their salary, but also benefits that go along with that. What are today's best candidates looking for in a company in terms of a compensation package? That's a really good question. And I have to start by saying the compensation is secondary or really a third. First is what is the opportunity? And second is, okay, I understand what the base is, but what is the bonus potential? Top talent looks at what can I earn if I do a great job? The base salary is just cover the bills, but what can I do? How can I, because I am going to knock it out of the park, what can I earn through that? Also on the compensation side, they want the time off vacation. I fight hard for vacation. I need two weeks, three weeks, whatever. I go back to the candidate a year from now and say, hey, have you enjoyed your vacation? He says, well, George, I've only used three days. And I finally figured out what that is about because I got to have three weeks. And it's about the spouse. The spouse is concerned that a person taking a new job, I'm never going to see my husband again. I'm never going to see my wife again. Well, really what it's about is no, honey, I got three weeks vacation. So it assures her that I'm not going to lose my spouse. But it is funny how hard I got to have three weeks and they don't use it. You think about closing on the candidate, you brought up the spouse. It's the analogy that the college recruiter, the college football recruiter, who's quote, good in the living room. He's great at closing with the parents, not just the player. How does that play into your business? And what advice would you have for companies as they're recruiting new talent or they're onboarding new talent? What should they be considering when they're thinking about the family and the spouse? Very good question. I learned very early that the wife has or the spouse has to be part of the process. I take it a step further. Sometimes candidates, let's say embellish. So I schedule a call with the spouse. I tell the candidate, hey, I'd like to talk to your spouse. The reason why is twofold. First of all, I want your spouse to know why you're spending so much time with this guy and I do wear khakis. And also, if she has a direct line to know what the client's about. And that's important. I can find out very rapidly, is she on board or not? If he hesitates, he hasn't told his wife yet or her spouse. As far as onboarding or with a client, the advice I can give is smother her. Invite her. If it's a trip to the corporate office, have her come, have dinner. It's important that she relates to other spouses or he relates to other spouses in the company. So you have a dinner with maybe six people. Also have the interaction. Well, how long have you been with the company? I've been three years. What do you find attractive about the company? Let them interact. Very, very important. Great question. She's got to be or he's got to be on board as much as the candidate itself. The client has to recognize that. They're not hiring a person. They're hiring a team. They're hiring a family. 
they need to take that under consideration. The clients that I love, they get it. The companies that I consider are quality companies, get it and they do it. And they'll include the wife, include the spouse. I don't know about you guys, but my wife has that sixth sense at a gathering at work. She can say, well, that guy is a good guy. That guy is going to stab you in the back. That guy, they know that. And I don't. I don't see it, but she does. It's very important that that spouse be part of the process. Gary and I talk often about the smartest people in our team are Denise and Abby. There's no doubt about that. It's not Gary and I. We're just trying to muscle through it, but they have the much better insight. I agree with that, and I agree with that sentiment very much. George, I really appreciate the time today. I think this has been a very good discussion. The importance of having a good pipeline of people, having a good relationship with you or someone like you, George, I think is pivotal to any company that's kind of moving and shaking and wanting to do something because there is good talent out there. They're probably not searching the job boards. You want to find them quietly and when they maybe aren't necessarily thinking top of mind about leaving their job, that's not who you want. It's pivotal to have a good relationship with someone like you and what you can bring to the table. So thank you for what you do for the industry and for your clients. Before we sign off here, I just want to give you an opportunity. You have a little bit of an audience here of potential business owners and leaders and so on in the trucking and the logistics industry. If you wanted them to take away one or two things from this discussion about the experienced pipeline, what do you want them to take away? Let me make it more specific on recruiting and what I think is valuable. A lot of clients think that the more, the better. Let me give an example. A client might say, well, I'm going to bring on three recruiters. How about it, guys? Here's the specs. Well, what that does, it turns into a race. So recruiters that work on a contingent basis, which I don't, I work on a priority basis where a small amount of funds up front to keep engaged. That's how they get into the game. I'm engaged. All my work is up front. When you do a contingency search, recruiters are just throwing candidates against the wall. The quality is not there. Like I said, it's a race. Whoever wins first, whatever sticks to the wall wins. When you commit financially, and I commit with my experience, you're going to get quality candidates. It may not be the fastest. I'm not going to throw a bunch of names at you. You're going to say, George, what are you sending me this for? I think it's important for them to understand that you're going to invest. It doesn't cost you anymore, but you're committing up front. And that's important, I think, in our game. Thank you, George, for the time. We greatly appreciate it. Just for a second, I want to put a lawyer hat on to fill in something there with what George alluded to. Companies out there that are looking to engage with an executive search professional, do make sure you're very clear on what that relationship is going to look like with your executive search professional. Like George said, there are a variety of different structures that are out there and people work on different compensation structures and different rules of engagement, so to speak. Make sure you are very clear because you can end up into some issues with them, especially when it comes to you don't want to get in a game where you use the executive search person to get some leads and then kind of say no, and then try to two months later, hire the person without the executive search person. Unfortunately, I have seen that type of stuff happen. I've heard of it happening with some clients and some others. You don't want to go down that path for a couple of different reasons. One, legally, but also your reputation will get out there that that happens. So just make sure you're very clear on your rules of engagement when you do engage an executive search professional. The other thing that I'll say from the legal perspective that came out a little bit earlier is George made some comments about how fast everything is happening. People getting hired over Zoom calls and all that kind of stuff. I very much appreciate the importance of going fast on some stuff, but also let's make sure that doesn't 
get in the way of doing things right. There is a reason that we do background checks on people. There is a reason that HR is involved and there's some amount of additional vetting that goes in. You don't want to put yourself in a position where one of your managers on a Zoom call extended a job offer that you didn't know was being extended. And then later on, when you met them, you realize that's not the right fit or there's something in the background or whatever the case may be is. And you're in a pickle because legally you're attached to this person now. So uh, do make sure you're still engaging with your human resources team and you've got a clean process for the hiring process. Gary, any final thoughts? Yeah, a couple, Doug. A great guest today. Timely topic. Remember, we've spoken before about the college pipeline, and today we had a chance to talk with an executive recruiter who gave us some good insight on what companies can do, what business owners can do when considering using someone like him. So I think as a business owner, make sure that you're comfortable with the executive recruiter that you're going to work with and that you're going to hire. Make sure that you feel comfortable that he or she would be a great extension or a great addition to your management staff. I think that helps you ensure that the culture that you've established at your company is protected and that you're getting a good hire out of the process. Great points, Gary. And my last takeaway is be honest. Be honest with the executive search professional so that they can honestly go out and be that extension of your team. Like as you said, Gary, I think that's a great point. Be honest with yourself. What is it that you really are looking for out of this position? What is the right title, the right compensation? What is it going to take from a compensation standpoint? What do I need to do internally myself to change our culture, to attract the type of people I want? Be honest with yourself in those assessments. George is one of those guests. I think we had about 25, 30 minutes with them. I wish we would have had three times that. That conversation could have went on for a long time. You're right, Gary. And if anybody wants to spend some more time with George, definitely recommend him. Feel free to reach out to him. He's at George at globalesg.com. Again, that's George at globalesg.com. Good guy and definitely be happy to help you. Looking forward to our next discussion. Like you said, Gary, our first two discussions in this series have been enjoyable, have been good. I think have provided some good feedback for folks talking about college recruiting, talking about the experience recruiting, and looking forward to our next discussion where we're going to get into internal development to the extent we can develop a bench, to the extent we can develop our future leaders internally. What are some best practices in that world? Looking forward to that discussion. In the meantime, everybody, be safe out there, and thanks for joining us. Look forward to seeing you next time.